Now, I'm not going to ask people to put up their hands, uh, but I wonder if, like me, you are a last-minute online gift giver. Now, maybe it's because I'm self-centred, but I'm rarely the kind of person who thinks about gifts early. I'm not always at the shops seeing things and getting ideas for Christmas or birthday gifts, though I will admit something advertising helps, doesn't it? I saw something that's going to be perfect gift for my mate um, whose birthday is not until September and I'm thinking I'm going to buy it in January. It's going to be the first time ever. Unfortunately, that's not. I'm not even doing that for Anita, but that's okay. Now, I'm not sure if the post office tracking system is good for my heart, whether it's something that helps or hinders, because I put the order in and then I keep checking, watching, waiting and hoping as the emails and the texts come in, as I hit refresh on the website and then watch that parcel eke its way from depot to depot, sometimes crisscrossing the country on its way to Gympie. But I reckon those online tracking systems are a bit like a watch pot. They never boil. They seem to take forever. No matter how anxious or impatient you feel, no matter how many times you hit refresh, it doesn't go any faster. It arrives when the time fully comes. Not before and not after. Uh, We just heard from a part of the Bible that reflects on the time of Jesus' arrival. It doesn't come from one of the biographies of Jesus' life. It comes from an ancient Christian letter, quite quite possibly the earliest part of the New Testament, the first letter written by the Christian teacher and leader, Paul. Today, we're just going to consider those couple of sentences from this letter, which talk about the arrival of Jesus, God sending his son. Uh, In the first sentence we just heard read, it says Jesus was sent when the set time had fully come. Uh, What makes the time when Jesus was born, what makes it the set time, the fully come time? Uh, Some people think it's because of the particular historical moment when the reign of the Roman Empire and the widespread use of the Greek language, these two historical factors meant the news of Jesus could easily spread through Europe, the Middle East and Northern Africa. And there might be something to those ideas, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't give those reasons. It says Jesus was sent at the time God had planned. But like waiting for a parcel to arrive, the coming of Jesus was anticipated by God's people. They didn't have online tracking to watch, but they had the words of the the law, the prophets and the writings, what we call the Old Testament, telling them of God's promises. For generations, God's people had known God's promise. The promise he'd send a saviour, it was just a matter of when. And then the set time fully came, the time when God had chosen. But what is it that happened when the set time had fully come? Well, in these couple of sentences from this ancient Christian letter, there are two things that God sends, and they're in the bold font on the inside of your bulletin. Two things God sent when the time had fully come. One, God sent his son. Two, God sent the spirit of his son. 
Uh, One of these arrived at Christmas with the conception and birth of Jesus. The other arrived after Jesus' death and resurrection. So when the full time, the time had fully come, what happened? Well, in less than a sentence, we're let in on a profound claim about Jesus. Jesus is truly divine and truly human, true God and true man. Have a look again at that first sentence. It's got the little number four in front of it. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Uh, People talk about a Christmas miracle. Uh, They normally mean snow falling on December 25 when it's not expected or maybe greedy, mean people becoming transformed by dreams or apparitions of the future and the past. But this sentence here is the miracle and mystery of Christmas. The one born in Bethlehem is both son of God and born of a woman. True humanity And true God. We heard it in the first reading uh, from Luke's record of Jesus' life. The angel said to Mary, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Son of the Most High. God sent his Son. The one in the manger, the one in Mary's womb, is God himself, God in flesh. And as we read the things of Jesus' life, as we sang them in Who Is He in Yonderstall, as Luke's biography of Jesus continues, we see Jesus saying and doing things that show this to be true. As Jesus controls storms with his words, provides food for the crowds, raises the dead, forgives sins. He is no mere prophet. God sent his son. And he's also truly human, born of a woman. Jesus wasn't God pretending to be a person. Boys and girls, some of you today might get a Superman cape or a Batman mask. It's fun to pretend to be someone you're not. But that wasn't what Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't God pretending to be human. No, truly human. Born of a woman. Miraculously so. And I don't want to make too much of this, but did you notice Paul makes no mention of a human father? You can't say that in this phrase, Paul teaches the virgin conception, but what he says definitely fits with what other parts of the Bible say. Jesus' conception was miraculous. Through the Spirit, by God's power, the one who is true God and true humanity is conceived inside of Mary. The one who was an embryonic human, the one who was a fetus in Mary's womb, was God the Son. True God and true human. Why does this matter? One reason it matters is it means when we see Jesus, we see God. What is God like? Look at Jesus. When you see Jesus feeding a hungry crowd, that's God. When you see Jesus taking time with children, 
That's God. When you see Jesus dying for sins, that's God. Another reason it matters is because in the humanity and divinity of Jesus, God says our bodies matter, our human bodies matter. You might find your body awkward and uncomfortable, the sense your body doesn't quite fit you. For some, that's an experience of our whole life. For others, it's something we feel more and more as the years go by. My mind feels young, but my body doesn't seem to get the message. And through medical and digital technologies, we can attempt to solve this awkwardness. We can try to escape our bodies, transcend the limits and disappointments our bodies bring. We might create virtual personas try out different personalities, different lives in online communities. Through filters and Photoshop, we can appear what we are not. Through medical technology, we manipulate our bodies to remove limits, to present as a different person. But God the Son was born of a woman. He took on true humanity. He took on our flesh, our embodied existence. Now, knowing this may not make things instantly easier. But it does suggest the answer to our sometimes difficult experiences with our bodies, the answer isn't in escaping our bodies, but recognising that Jesus dignifies our embodied experiences. We are not souls trapped in a body. We're not minds that control meat puppets. Jesus was born of a woman, dignifying our humanity, embracing the limits, the awkwardness of a human body. And why did Jesus do this? Why did God send his son? Well, let's pick it up again halfway through sentence number four. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Why was Jesus born of a woman? To redeem his people. Redemption means to pay for someone's freedom. Now, this is an imperfect analogy, but today some of you will be given gift vouchers. And some of you just hearing the word gift vouchers, wow, that's the best present ever. What happens with a gift voucher? Well, the person buying a gift, uh, probably the person like me who hasn't prepared early enough and has no idea what you want, they've gone and given a shop some money. And that money is, if you like, being held captive by the shop. They've got the money and they've got the products on their shelves. But after Christmas, when you go shopping, you'll redeem the gift card. You'll free the value of the gift from the shop into your possession. In the ancient world, redemption was the price paid to economically and legally free someone. Jesus was sent to redeem his people. 
He did this to free us from the chains of sin, from slavery to the law, from being enslaved to our selfish desires, our selfishness that hurts our relationships, hurts ourselves and dishonours God, the God who gives, who sends his son. Yet we dishonour him in our selfishness. Jesus was sent. He was born of a woman. He took on our humanity and he did this to free his people. Jesus became what we are so we might become what he is. Jesus was born under the law. It's referring to the law of Israel, the law God gave through Moses. Jesus perfectly kept the law. He always lived God's way. He always loved God with his whole heart, mind and soul. Jesus always loved his neighbour as himself. And you see this as you read the biographies of his life. Jesus lived the life we should have lived. That's why he was sent. As the final words of sentence number five say, that those who receive him by faith might receive adoption to sonship. Who is Jesus? He is the son of God, eternally the son enjoying the love of his father. God sent his son so all who receive him might become sons, might become children of God. Despite what Daniel Andrews said a couple of months ago, we are not all God's children. Yes, we are all created by God. We are all created to be sons and daughters of God. But in our selfishness, we turned our backs on God's love and life. We turned away from God, left his family, disowned him as father. We turned away from love. We became selfish. We turned away from life. We faced death without God. But God sent his son. Jesus was born of a woman. He took on our humanity. Jesus became what we are so we might become what he is, adopted into God's family. And the way God does this is through the second sending, the sending of the Spirit. Have a look at sentence number six. Because because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God sent his son, born of a woman. He became what we are. He lived the life we should have lived And he did this so we can become what he is, so we can be adopted into God's family. He offers his father to be our father and his spirit to be our spirit. That by faith and through the spirit, we can call God Abba Father. Abba being the word babies and toddlers called their dad. It's an invitation to know God the king and creator of all, to have this kind of loving relationship with him. God's invitation to you this Christmas is you might receive what he has sent. That by knowing Jesus, you would receive the freedom of God's family. Jesus was sent when the set time had fully come and maybe today the time has fully come for you. 
Today you can receive Christ by recognising him for who he is and trusting in him as the one who can redeem, free you from your selfishness and sin. We're about to sing our last song, Joy to the World. In the first verse we sing, The Lord, that's Jesus, is come. Let earth receive her king. That's the message of Galatians 4. God sent his son, the Lord, the king. And all who receive him are freed to be children of God.